just my way of introduction, I want to talk about the church. And um, I guess I think the church is amazing. When you think of the church through the centuries, you think of the church throughout around the world, you think of the, the variety that there is uh, within the church and among churches, uh, you think of the challenges churches have faced, you think of ways in which churches have not lived up to what they should be, and yet at the same time, the way in which the church can be a powerful witness. So I love the church, and I want to talk about the church today, and as we prepare to do that, I'd like to lead you in a brief prayer. Let's pray together. God, in these moments that we have, I pray that you would remind us that you are with us and that as we live our lives individually, but as community as well, that by your spirit, you are working in us and through us for your glory, that you empower us, that you're accomplishing your mission. So guide us in these moments as we seek to consider how you are working through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes I think my, my brain works in strange ways. Perhaps some of you who are in my classes would easily agree with that. Um, there are many things, most things I suppose, that I do not remember from my childhood but for some reason, there are some incidents that strongly stand out in my mind. And one such incident uh, stood out so much that I not only remember the incident, but I remember the feeling that I had at that time. I was 13 years old, and I went with my parents to visit my very ill grandmother in the old Victoria Public Hospital in Fredericton. She was the only grandparent that had lived long enough for me to know her. And so we entered her hospital room and I had barely had time to say hello to her when a security guard came into the room to ask how old I was. Well, I was 13. And telling me that visitors had to be at least 14 years of age, he told me I had to leave. And what I remember is the feeling that I had just then. The feeling of being excluded from something very important to me. Now, I'm not being critical of the guard. He was following the rules, doing his job. But I remember that feeling. Excluded. During my first month as pastor at Main Street Baptist Church, I was having a good conversation one afternoon in the parking lot with a young man who lived nearby in the old North End. We were having a good and encouraging and engaging discussion about God and about faith. And at some point, being the new pastor wanting to see the church grow, I encouraged him to join us on Sunday for worship. And his tone suddenly became very serious when he said to me, I can't go to church. All the men wear suit and tie, and I can't afford that. He didn't fit. In one declining congregation where I was conducting a focus group, I asked about whether any new people ever attended the church. And in response, I was told that they had had a stranger come to church just a couple weeks before. Stranger, that was the word they used. They said after the stranger sat in a pew, the church members started asking each other, if anyone knew who the stranger was, but no one did. 
Now, can you imagine how he felt as everyone around him was looking at him and whispering behind his back to try to figure out who he might be? And then I asked if anyone had introduced themselves to him or had welcomed him, and they thought about it, and they said, well, actually, no, no one had, because, well, after all, he was a stranger. Very recently, I had a conversation with an Asian woman who has an important job with a Christian organization. And she said to me, I had to become white to keep this job. Of course, I knew what she meant. The Christian organization that employed her wanted diversity. It was one of their talking points. And so she was hired. But they expected her to give up her cultural identity in order to fit. She had to deny who she was. Now, my point today is not simply to do the easy thing, which is to condemn everyone around us, whoever intentionally or unintentionally excludes anyone. That would be easy and would fill me with a grand sense of self-righteousness, when in fact I'm sure that I've done it too. And I suspect that most or all of you have done it from time to time in one way or another. My point instead is this. In a time when Canadian culture is less and less like traditional church culture, when Christians seem to be more aware of the differences between us and the people outside our churches, at a time when diversity is a great talking point in our society that's usually not sufficiently accompanied by real changes in attitudes and actions. In such a time, how does the church be the church for everyone? How does the church live and demonstrate the character of God so that no one is excluded? How do I love my neighbor as God would have me love my neighbor? How do I communicate the good news so that no one is excluded? And those are not new questions. That's the point of Ephesians 2. The early church was made up almost exclusively at first of Jewish people, until the Apostle Paul started reaching out to Gentiles. As Paul established new churches and as a number of, the number of Gentile Christians grew, they at first were not accepted by the rest of the church. And even before Gentiles were an issue, when food was being distributed among needy Christians in Jerusalem, those who spoke Greek noticed that they were not being as well cared for as those who spoke Aramaic. These stories from the book of Acts are not extreme, unusual example of egregious behavior. They are typical examples of how sin affects the human condition and affects how we see ourselves and how we see and treat others. Ways in which we think that, well, we are more important than someone else, or we're better than someone else, or we're more valuable than they are. So my point is, or my question is, are we being changed in our attitudes? Is God's sanctifying work transforming us so we see others and we see ourselves differently? Do we value diversity because 
the economy says we need more immigrants to pay for our pension plans and to spend money as consumers? Or do we value people who are different from us because we love our neighbors as ourselves? Do we care about accessibility because we think it's a good thing, which it is, or because we deeply value people regardless of their level of ability? Are our, are our friends chosen because they will like us and they'll agree with us and they'll make us comfortable? Or do we extend our friendship to those who will sometimes be a challenge and an inconvenience to us? In other words, do we sometimes treat people as strangers? I believe that one of the challenges for the church today is that most Canadians would feel out of place in most churches. They don't fit. They feel like strangers when they're in our midst. Maybe they even feel like way when they're in our homes. And the problem is not just the new people that might feel unwelcome in the church. There are people who have attended a church for years who still really don't feel included, probably because they're really not included. Maybe because they don't think the way that other Christians think, or because their family situation doesn't live up to the supposed Christian ideal, or because they do not have as much money, or because their background is different. I remember talking to a Christian woman who had been active in her church as a leader, but she lived in an abusive home, and her husband had been battering her, but as her Christian duty, she thought she had stuck with the marriage until her husband began, began beating the children. And at that point, she took her children and she left her home. And she went to her pastor to talk about what was happening and she was filing for divorce. And her pastor said to her, well, it's all right for you to still keep attending church, but can you please sort of stay in the background now, if you're going to be divorced. How many people feel excluded in our churches? So they sit on the sidelines, attending church, but feeling excluded from the community. Maybe some of us sometimes feel like we're on the sidelines in church for one of any number of reasons. The recognition of those feelings of being on the sidelines can be the beginning, I think, of some spiritual growth in us and not only in us, but in the church. This probably isn't very helpful to say, but I think it's important to say, even if you don't always feel welcome, Jesus says you are welcome, and it is his church. It's not ours. So we are welcome, whether others make us feel welcome or not. Jesus has done what was needed to be done so that everyone, regardless of who we are, is welcome. Whenever the church thinks of someone as a stranger, as a second-class member, we are dishonoring the work of Christ. I love the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. 
and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Not a great. God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. <clears throat> the church is most effective in witness and ministry when everyone is part of the mission, no matter who we are. I think back at Main Street Baptist Church, as the congregation began to become more and more diverse, <coughs> rich and poor and very poor, the men had stopped wearing suits. Canadian and Chinese and Nigerian and Indian and Korean and Brazilian and more, Mandarin and English and Portuguese, married and divorced, and single parents, schizophrenic and bipolar and addicted, very old and very young. I joked with people that, was, that there was nothing at all that we all had in common except Christ. And that was more than enough. <clears throat> but that is the point. That is the strength of the witness of the church, that others can see that nothing but the work of Jesus Christ could have brought together such a disparate group of people. It was the strength of the witness of the church in the first century. It is the strength of the church's witness today. The Apostle Paul knew that Gentile believers could feel like outsiders in a predominantly Jewish church. With their very different backgrounds, what did they have in common apart from Christ? Paul was not content to let them feel like outsiders. He insisted that the church see that any exclusion con contradicted the work of Christ. If we exclude other believers who are not like us, then we fail to understand what Christ has done. When we really understand what Christ has done, we stop dwelling on the things that make us different, and we rejoice in our oneness in Christ and in the salvation that has made us one family. We rejoice together in the mission that we're called to carry out in Jesus' name. When I read Ephesians 2, I picture a room being made bigger. A partition, a wall, has been removed so that everyone's in the same room together. Everyone is included. There are no strangers. <coughs> Through the blood of Christ, the barrier the dividing wall has been destroyed. The barrier has not been removed by our niceness or by our enlightened point of view. It took the blood of Christ. <coughs> it took the blood of Christ to bring people together in the oneness of the church. You see, exclusion is a sin problem. Our sin had to be overcome, and only Christ's sacrifice could do that. The message of the church is not to tell, the, to tell people to be nicer and to get along better. In a world marked by divisions of all kinds, the message of the church is that through the cross, Jesus Christ has overcome sin 
that is at the root of these divisions. And so we must depend on the work of Christ in order to be the church. He himself is our peace. That also means that the way that we experience true Christian community is not through our human organization and activity. True community is based on our access to God through Christ. Verse 18, through him, through the crucified and risen Lord Jesus, through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Paul understood that the human differences between first century Jews and Gentiles were profound. Their backgrounds, their way of living, their religious customs, their family life, their attitudes toward their world, they were all very different. There are differences among people in our society today that are very, very profound. Paul didn't just say to the Ephesians, now be nice, get along together, overlook one another's differences. It's not what he said. Instead, he calls us to deepen our relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit who dwells in each of us as Christians, no matter who we are. The way to advance true Christian community is to deepen our relationship with God, realizing that his Spirit dwells in each of us. Somehow, when we think about the church carrying out the Great Commission, when we think about the mission of the church, we tend to think about what the church must do. And there are things the church must do. But we must consider what the church must be. A church where Christ has removed the barriers. A church that proclaims that every person is not only welcome, but that every person is essential in our community in Christ. God will work powerfully through his church when we welcome others because Jesus welcomes them and because Jesus is changing us. And in fact, often he's using people unlike us to bring about those changes in our lives and in our community. Many of you are at ADC because you're preparing to fulfill God's call in your life for service and witness in the Church of Jesus Christ. I urge you, first of all, to remember that you are no longer a stranger to God. And because of Christ, he has welcomed you into his church, no matter who you are, no matter whether you're like others in the church or not. And then, I remind you to welcome others as God has welcomed you in Christ. Accept one another, the Bible says, because God has welcomed us in Christ. And most of all, I urge you to allow God to continue to transform you deeply. So Christian community becomes more than just a, a social reality. 
but it becomes something much deeper, something much more meaningful, something that crosses every barrier. As the work of Christ brings people together in a way that excludes no one, where no one is a stranger, where the witness of what Christ has done is clear to the culture around us, where people look at the church and say, only God could have done that. Only God could have brought those people together. As Jesus said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. God bless you.